Tom Majors. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I am Katie Louise Alcott. <laughs> May? May Alcott. That's good. I like it. Yeah. I like the, yeah. the name is back. Yep. I like the names. <laughs> we went away from it for a little. They're back. <laughs> and what better film to abandon your um, individuality as a woman and mm-hmm. hide under a false <laughs> name? I still used my name, Brian, uh, and also identified with my spirit animal. Yeah. (laughs) Very personal. uh, (laughs) As we discuss Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women. But Mm -hmm. first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? Tonight we're going with cocktails and I'm having an old fashioned Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know what I'm drinking. Jim Belvedere. Jim made this for me, and I brushed my teeth, so I have larceny a, a Belvedere made with larceny bourbon. Right. First Ooh. sip, still a little bit it's minty a little in citrus. my mouth. Yeah, it's not going to be good. You yeah. gotta you gotta you gotta mix it up there a little. Yeah, I gotta keep rinsing. I gotta rinse my mouth. Okay, carry okay. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am drinking Portland Pale Ale from Lone Pine Brewing <laughs> Company out of Portland, Maine. Mm. I've said it before. We got to set something up in the post pandemic world. Portland, Maine, so many breweries, an amazing brewery uh, bus tour that they do. Yes. Around mm. and amazing food in Portland, Maine as well. So I would love to top, go to their top notch restaurants. Um, so, fact check time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people have been asking, you know, this, people noticed we last week we did our 100th episode and you know, some people said, wow, 100 episodes, you know, you're really in the, the groove of it now. How is it different? You know, mm-hmm. over over a, probably over 125 hours of content mm-hmm. potentially we've we've put out. Um, I was sitting on my couch enjoying a, a lemon bubbly seltzer, <laughs> some some pretzels watching the new season of 90 Day Fiance yesterday mm-hmm. when i receive a text message jim is in the shower but will be ready uh in 10 <laughs> minutes now this is yesterday to give you an idea we record on mondays this is sunday we have been doing the don't, program now don't for tell us what day it is um and Jim and Katie, I don't think we're aware of when we actually record this program. I actually let Katie talk me into <laughs> that we record on Sundays in earlier. Year in year fifteen day. of our marriage, I am starting to influence Jim's mental functionings. Because usually he can speak back to my um alternate reality. <laughs> but yesterday I convinced him. Yeah. <laughs> and he thought that my reality was the truth. Yeah. <laughs> The to give some really intriguing backstory to this, we spent 10 weeks recording two episodes a week, none of which were ever (laughs) on a Sunday. And in fact, the only reason that we stopped recording on Sunday, probably six months ago, was Katie's belief that so many more people would be on Facebook watching us no on one, a Monday this night. This is not entertaining. No one that wants was, to hear this. That was certainly wrong. We have not increased our, we have plummeted our readership. In the rankings. Um, <laughs> our readership, our listenership. 
I use only two defenses. Number one, quarantine brain. And number two, it's summer vacation. Who knows what day of the week it is? Certainly oh, that's not a me. good point. Thank that's you. A good you, are, point. you are the dude. You're like, no uh, it's, a, it's a Sunday? Mm-hmm. What day is yeah. it? No clue. It's a weekday? You go out um, dressed like this? Uh, um, second quick fact check here. Yes. Katie had mentioned that she has a fact check, something regarding a story about cursing yes so i have been on a little bit of a mission to get our cursing specifically our use of the f word um to lessen jim has been employing a beeper which i appreciate a lot um and my anxiety on this is as an educator you know should students stumble upon online content prefer them to not find their teacher in, you know, R-rated conversations. <laughs> then this weekend happens and my daughter says to me, sometimes when you and dad are doing the podcast, you sit with Scout on your lap. I, I said, mm, mm-hmm. How do you know that? She said, because I am usually sitting on the stairs listening to it. Wow, she's a big fan. Mm. Oh, oh, are you now? Lily. So I'm going to come back around to that request about the language because my nine-year-old has now become our youngest listener. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. (laughs) If I disappear in the middle of the podcast. She gets that from you. Yeah, I used to do that. Sorry, mom. I used to creep down those steps too. Has she written a review? (laughs) Yeah, it's garbage is what she said. She it's probably garbage. did. Yeah, because she is a big fan of talk to text, so, so you might not be able to read it. It's your volume, I think, that brings her. You think so? Yeah. I think it's just that my voice is like a beacon in the night. She's like, oh, I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking. Might be. Might I, be. I, well, thankfully, our last episode where the F word was used repeatedly was in a clip that she would not have been able to hear. That's lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. So there we go. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, and that's it. That's fact check. All right. Time for the rundown. Uh, this is a pretty serious rundown. I'm sorry. It just is. A little women are Meg, Joe, Amy and Beth, who grow up in a happy home that might not be full of the opulence of their neighbors and other family members, but full of a richness of life. They spend hours developing plays for the neighborhood children, written by strong-willed Joe. Their happiness, however, is strained by their father leaving to fight for the union, then by his injury and sister Beth's concurrent illness. Marmy, their mother, creates a joy-filled sanctuary but can't protect her children from sickness, death, and the heartbreak of growing up. There we go. <laughs> Sounds good. Had it, she had it prepared 24 hours yesterday. Ago. Yep. Had it prepared yesterday. Wrote it yesterday. I'm surprised she she found it. Like I'm. <laughs> I was 100 percent sure that that was going to be lost by the time we. Were um, if I'm being entirely honest, <laughs> I didn't write it yesterday. Okay. I, I was in the process of writing it when we and figured out that we were not taping. So then I, she, yeah, I was, in, instead of finishing <laughs> done with that I, guy, I just wrote it just just right just three minutes before. Um, so Little Women, a classic mm. American novel. I will say up front, I have never read mm-hmm. the book Little Women. 
that might be surprising for many. I have never gone down that route, nor was I ever a little woman. So I come to this movie um, as not the target audience expected by some, Mm -hmm. but loving the movie, as we've talked about on the show when we did our Lady Bird episode. And his growing on me is perhaps one of my favorite films of 2019 slash 20, which is a very good year, as we've talked about on this show. (laughs) So, Katie, why Little Women? Why should we be drawn mm-hmm. to this movie so i have read the book and have seen the other two versions i will admit it has been years so when i went to see this film it was more out of uh, an act of the neighborhood uh ladies you know going to the movies together and this this looked like something really good that we wanted to see um And I was overwhelmed by several things. Number one, having it been years since I saw the other versions and read the book, the vibrance of these characters and the the authenticity of them. um, You know, it'll be interesting to hear from you, Brian, like not having any prior knowledge of the characters. But for me, having those kind of old stories floating around my brain, these characters rang so true, even though it was not a direct retelling of the novel. And so I, I loved the creativity that she employed in honoring the source material, but also bringing in her creative vision, contemporary thought, um, or just really like enhancing what was already there in the source material in a way that would appeal to a modern audience. Um, I, I left this movie feeling like I had walked through a museum at times. Like there are just visuals in this film that feel like you are looking at some of the most beautiful visual works of art, you know, in, in a museum. Like they're just, so perfectly composed the colors the characters like just it's like it's like eye candy at the same time that it's an amazing story with incredible acting i also hadn't met timothy chalamet prior to this film and Mm -hmm. he took my heart i also had never seen this movie wow Mm -hmm. none of the other versions did you no. not? I feel like I might have seen a small part, maybe at some point of the most recent one before this. Well, we found out before the show, actually, there was a mini series that none mm. of us. had. None seen of us have seen that. But I I just I think I remember knowing about the mm. Winona Ryder season yeah. Saran, but I can't imagine that was like 94. Right. I would yep. have been in high school. I can't imagine having I certainly wouldn't have gone to see it. And no. I, I, I don't know. It was not a big um, movie. It did make a lot. It it was definitely a movie, though, that would get played on like, you know, like movies that would show up on your TV. Would that be on like TNT? Yeah, like like, daytime television sort of like floating around. Um, I would like a fact check for next week on what other novels have had three big film, you know, adaptations, because this that this feels like a lot that there's three versions of this Lord of the Rings. Is that true? Uh, no, not three, but three is a lot. Two. 
I will. I will. Uh, I will dig deep into the commager's yeah. vaults thank and you. go with I it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, so tell me. I would love to hear from the two of you, having no prior relationship with Louisa May Alcott mm-hmm. and the story. What What struck you? I loved it. I I thought it was like you said. It was beautiful looking film. Um, the characters were believable, true, and you know, issues and all, right? They're not, um, which is something that happens to, to a lot of female characters, I think, in this time period specifically. Like, you have like the little house on the prairie type. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that I, mean, I grew, I think little women in my head always occupied that same space. Mm. I and think I, that's I, I could see that too. I think I right. probably would have felt the same same connection, even though they're right. wildly different. And right? at the time we were growing up and and if they were to make a period piece, it, the characters would be so sanitized and so like the prim and proper in one respect, the history would all be wrong <laughs> and weird. <laughs> um it's definitely not a period of time that I would be interested in watching anything from prior to like the past 10 years, honestly, Mm -hmm. because I feel like with, and I don't know, you know, even, even, even stuff prior to like the 1950s, I feel like when you have a time, a, a period piece, um, I feel like it's only been recently when, people have sort of started to take like a more realistic look at those time periods rather than like a glor- like glorifying just certain aspects of them mm-hmm. and making the whole world that one thing, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, well, they're not solely, I mean, a re- people would refer to them as costume dramas, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like this right, is right. a costume. So that that look or the costumes were what to carry it. I th- and I thought we've seen two and it's been back to back years where there've been really interesting, different takes on costume period dramas with, um, you know, this film and what Greta Gerwig chose to do with that. And then, you know, we saw another film recently, you know, with, we had Emma Stone and Yargis Laramuth with what was going on. And we talked about those films were period pieces the favorite the favorite yeah. and and little women that I think flipped the narrative of what movies like this could be. And they're very, very different films with very different directors and visual styles and things like that. But I think it takes at, you know, the essence of a period piece, you know, still looks beautiful. Both those films look beautiful, but it makes the dialogue, the characters, the thematic elements of it relevant to a modern time period where I think like the merchant ivory of when we were growing up in high school, some of those movies were through, they were so you felt so detached from them. Yeah. They're not relate. The characters are not relatable at all because you, they're, (laughs) No one wrote them to show emotion in the correct ways, even if they were using the proper language of the time. Like, right. And part of that's the writing of the time. You know, so there's like a you have to kind of code switch 
you know, like in in modern day language, what would those descriptions of those characters mean to us now? Right. And because sometimes there is there's too much of a distance where we think of characters as being old. It's it's the same thing we do to our grandparents, our great grandparents. Right. We have a hard time picturing them as youngsters who made mistakes and had flaws and right and like took risks and did all of those things like sometimes that happens to us with with characters in literature too especially older literature we do the same thing where we have a hard time making those characters relatable to us like they would be peers Mm -hmm. like they would have the same emotions we would have right which is the one thing that doesn't change over time right like teenagers are fucking teenagers and you know they have those feelings and uh yeah, which is interesting because you have, like, even just comparing this to Lady Bird, um, this feels a little more progressive to me just because of the time period. But it's really the same shit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I, I pulled the clip. Usually we do movie clips, but I found a just uh, Greta Gerwig was on the Christine Anampour, uh show um, discussing Little Mimmon when it came out and there was just a clip I wanted to play. Cause I thought we could jump off of it, but also I think she is just awesome. And I could, I could just listen to her talk about writing and film for hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's just look, listen to this clip for a minute and we'll get back. Cause I want to, it's hitting on what we're talking about right now, actually. Part of this. It's very much a part of this. And um, you know, the, the character of Aunt March, which um, Meryl Streep did tell me she was going to be in this movie, and she told me she was going to play Aunt March, which was um, one of the best things anybody's ever told Is that, me. That's how it yeah. works? I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. We went out to lunch, and she said, that book meant a lot to me. I would like to play the battle axe. Please write me some good lines. <laughs> and I, but uh, she, she had so many incredibly smart things to say. She's not only a, a brilliant actress who's, I mean, one of the best actors who's ever lived. Um, she's also wildly intelligent and really understands what the heart of something, uh, what the heart of a story is. And we had incredibly productive conversations about this book and, and what it means. And I think, you know, it's obviously funny when Aunt March says, I, well, I, I didn't have to get married because, because I'm rich. But I also think Aunt March, Aunt March isn't wrong about the world. And I think one of the lines that always moves me is she says, nobody makes their own way. Mm -hmm. Not really. Yeah. So this reminds me of um, our kids listening to Hamilton Mm -hmm. and getting really stuck on what's going on with the three sisters going to New York, going out in the city and like looking for men and Angelica singing about, you know, it's it's my job to marry well right um th- for my family right mm-hmm. and and like to you know today's generation like that concept is just right. uh, they can't they can't process that right and so we see the same idea in little women where aunt march is obviously of an older generation um than than the ch- the, the children are and though they have their romantic notions she is looking at these four girls and figuring out who's what's the best option to support this family through the next few decades of life right 
And so it's very analytic, right? Like which one of them is, and, and they start kind of like ticking off, right? Like one of them falls in a teach, falls in love with a teacher. She's out. One of them is sh showing no interest in marriage. She's out, right? Like moving down the line to the one who, oh, she's interested in pretty things and yeah. painting and she looks very lovely. She's the best bet. She's the one we're going to take to Europe and, you know, introduce her to proper society so that she can take care of her family. Um, man, I just, I think she handles that in such a realistic way and that the duality of Meryl Streep's character where like she is, she is a battle axe. Like you, you like love her and hate her, right? Where it's like, oh, I don't want her to be right, but she's right. <laughs> but I, but what I loved you know, about that statement and she talks about the process of like the story. Mm -hmm. So there's so like Meryl Streep and Greta Gerwig are breaking that down. And I think the easy commentary would have been, well, that point of view is wrong and we have to demonize it. And she goes on later in the interview to talk about the idea that what makes dialogue interesting is not having two people who one is right and one is wrong, but both have a valid argument in some way. Yeah. And this movie has that, that a lot of movies don't, right? Like you write very one-dimensional characters and you see it a lot of times in action movies, which I understand is a whole different genre, but you have to have somebody who's right and you have to have somebody who's wrong. In yeah. both movies we've seen her direct, there's an ambiguity yep. to the characters that you have the ability to look at that point of view from different ways. And I, and I don't know how that played out in the other Little Women stories. But for me, the idea of having a whole movie where there is no antagonist other than growing up, then life. And to be able to carry it, you have to carry it in a way where you can have these multidimensional characters. And every one of them seems to be formed in a way that allows you to go down that path. And it's just, I think, so wildly impressive for someone only who's done two movies and has written some stuff. But it's it's you don't see it much. So um, one of the big changes that Greta made to the way this story is told is the way she plays with chronology. Mm. Um, so the story in its original form is tol told chronologically, as are the other two film versions. In this version, we begin kind of at like a middle point of the story. And then you have flashbacks and you have progression forward from that point. Um, and it can be a little bit jarring, right? If you're not really paying attention, it, there there is quite a bit of jumping back and forth. What I've seen this movie three times now. Um, what I was really interested in is how she brings about the shifts. So sometimes it's a character recalling a memory, mm -hmm. you know, a character looking at something happening and going back to an earlier moment in her life. And it made me think of, you know, Brian, what you're talking about in terms of the, the fullness of these characters, the fact that you can see these characters in 
kind of three stages of their development all at the same time, almost all at the same time, where it's not that you see them at the beginning when they're teenagers and then you follow them through to their 20s as they're starting to move away from home and get married and find careers, but you're moving backwards and forwards with them and seeing the connection between these moments in their lives, seeing how this one thing that happened when they were younger informs this thing that happens later on when they're adults. And I thought that that was such a beautiful approach to revealing these characters in a different way um, and exploring the story in a different way, because I think it takes the audience on, on a on a completely different journey than the other versions. Yeah. It reminded me of the hours in that way. Um, But in the hours, it doesn't follow characters, but more themes, right? So when a certain character in the hours gets to a point that really links up with the other story, it kind of Mm -hmm. switches and they kind of do the same thing here, but it's, it's more, it's, it switches to that. Like you said, a character remembering, and it was, it was done really well. And yeah, we could talk about, I only had, like, literally only, with a film like this, it's funny, because I think you get, you get to the place where you're like, what is wrong with this movie? Is there anything? And you start to look for, like, little things. And I have one, I just have one little thing, but we could talk about that uh, later, but... No, go for it, because I, I think it connects. It, it does connects connect to, to this. This, specific, okay. this specific piece, which is that it's, first it's very confusing the the fact that the father is missing in certain scenes even though he's you find out later he's clearly present in their life in the house at that moment yeah so what happens in the actual story is he's gone at the beginning he's he has left to fight for the union this right. is in the novel right yeah. he comes back after Beth has recovered from yes. her first bout of sickness. So, yeah. so that's still, she's still a teenager. And that's the same and, thing that happens here. And right. Yeah. But, be, but because of where we enter the story, I just wanted to explain like where, what right. the chronology would be for him in terms of like their story as a whole. Right. And it's the, the chronologically, the same exact thing happens in this movie. However, because she's playing with like the, the timeline, there are scenes that happen early in this movie where he is not present that he would have been in the house and seem to be of a level of, he doesn't seem like a bad father and he doesn't seem like a, like someone who would not be there. Gotcha. In some of those scenes for the portrayal of fathers in that time period, he is presented to us as very doting, very, very connected to them. But in, and, and that's the, only thing I find wrong with this movie is that by the end, I think we're way more attached to the other old guy mm. in a way. Mr. Lawrence, the neighbor. Right. And I, I felt like that's the only thing she didn't like slam the hammer down on and like close the book on was like, he wrote that letter. It's him calling them little women. And it's sort of like, no, no, they're not little women. They're, they're huge, strong, incredible women. And like, I felt like, 
was just like the last little bit of the I, orange you could have squeezed out. Yeah, I agree. And you can argue as much as we absolutely see Marmy's influence on them. That's their mother. Right. Um, th their references to him and his impact on their life and who they are are big. Absolutely. They're, I mean, they are threaded throughout the film. Yeah. So I completely agree with you that um, that feels like a missed opportunity to make him more of it. It seemed like the, the, that was one place where she picked the tool, the technique over the story, right? That she well, didn't want to reveal right, that the he reveal survives him, right, the war. Right. She didn't want to reveal that. But then it makes you feel, to me, I felt like, are we going to, not knowing the story and not knowing him, are we going to get to the point where we've realized that he's not great or something? Like, it sort of yeah. set me up to be looking for, like, what's going on with the dad? Yeah. Like, why isn't he here? Is he dead? Is he not dead? Oh, wait, he's not dead. And he arrives at a, and so like that just took me out of it for a minute. Yeah. Where I was like trying to figure out why he wasn't there in the scenes. And then it made me think like, is he not a good guy? Like, I don't know. That's the, only, yep. and that's a nitpick, but I like completely understand why she did it. Um, could, I could talk about this movie for and ages. When, so when Beth died, even when Beth dies, he he was there. He, he was, was there. at the funeral. But he, but right that that moment when when Saoirse Ronan Joe comes down the stairs, it's, he would he would have been there. Right, he would have been there because he's a teacher. It's not like he's traveling the country but, at that point yeah, with his job. But you know what? I feel like it's interesting because, and I have no issue with this at all. But I feel that that is a little bit of the ladybird aspect as well, where the, the mother daughter dynamic took some more priority though. I would think the father, the certainly the father in ladybird. I'm not I think a, okay. portrayed so, is a little bit better of a, I totally get that. Brian. It. No, no, I totally get that. That argument of like makes sense, but I'm not even asking for him to do anything. Other than be at that damn kitchen table when she yeah. comes downstairs, I, I don't, I don't, I yeah. don't. Disagree. He doesn't have to. I think he didn't even have to look at the very camera. Underutilized character, yeah. I think. And yeah. I think maybe does it get confusing because they needed Chris Cooper as the you know as the other. Yeah, he was fantastic, to, to, by the way. But he was, but he they needed that for the Beth aspect to work. And but it is, it's it's a. I would say honestly, of all the major characters in this movie he is last on the priority list i think the housekeeper has yeah. no yeah. emotional yeah. relationship and, with and the girls so, and that's that. part of it is true to the novel like part of that is true to the novel in terms of the father's absence largely from the novel but one of the things i loved about this movie is that she explores moments in their life that are not covered in great detail in the novel mm. And so the emphasis on their later years in the novel, that is really, that's compressed, right? You get a lot of what? time, a lot of emphasis on their growing up years, and then really quick, really quick Wait, action at the end. She, she went into that, actually, and I, I, I couldn't, I tried to find it in the clip and I couldn't pull it, but I have a transcript of it. So I just want to just like kind of bullet point. I'm not going to read it. Yeah, word yeah, for go word. Ahead. But she said when she wrote it, she actually went into Sony to 
to pitch this prior to doing Lady Bird. And she said, I want to write this. I want to direct this. And they're kind of like, well, you haven't even directed anything. And that's what really motivated her to say, I have to direct Lady Bird because I'm going to do this. So she did Lady Bird first. Then she goes and does this. But she said, you know, the last time she had read the book was at 15. And she then picked up the book to read it again, to write the screenplay at 30. And she said, I had blocked out all of the adult stuff. And Katie, you might want to even reread it because she said, in my mind, that kind of is exactly what you just said. All that stuff was truncated. And what really spoke to her was actually the older stuff. You become, I think, transfixed with the idea of, oh, little women. And she said, I kept remembering that the fun they were having is that. But when you got down to the core of it and she said there was a line Amy had that really hooked her in and she was like, holy shit. Yeah. Why aren't more people talking about it when Amy says the world is hard on ambitious girls? Yeah. And she's like, and that becomes, I think, at the heart of what this is about. And I have to add, not only the editing devices, which I think it's a brilliantly edited film, but I think the reason the film worked for me, if they had done it in a chronological order with a fixation on them as young kids in that relationship, I don't think I would have been anywhere near as interested as I was, regardless of performances or anything like that. It was a universal story she was telling that I feel like so many people can feel a connection to, which is the same thing I loved about Lady Bird. I think you probably feel more if you were a female to this, but you're not excluded from understanding why this movie is so powerful being a man. And that is directly on her and the way she chose to tell this story. I agree, Ryan. I, to me, some of the most emotional moments where I felt kind of the most connection, uh, really the most joy in this film was watching just their sort of daily interactions. You know, they have this upstairs space that's real. That's their playroom. It becomes the, the place where as teenagers, they develop these stories that they're acting out. And there's this childhood innocence and joy there. And they're older, you know, they're, they are adolescents and teens at that point. But to me, that piece, no matter the time period, is so easily relatable. I think that any viewer can jump back into that feeling of whether it was siblings or cousins or friends, you know, the people where you felt most yourself, where you could just have fun, you know, and, and be imaginative and create and right. Like just love that. And then that paired with the scene where Joe is holding on to her sister on her wedding day and saying, we can run away. Yeah. I will make enough money for both of us. And it's really just her not letting go of childhood. And like that crushed well, me. Yeah. It's like, that the, was like, like I, <laughs> yeah. I was just feeling that. Yeah. Right. The idea that like growing up, part of growing up is realizing that your dreams are not aligned with the people that they used to be. Whether you have changed you, what, what makes you happy or whether um, they've changed what's going to make them happy um, and kind of just being okay with that is sort of the core of this movie. Mm. 
Right, because in that scene, Joe's saying, "No, I'm I'm supposed to be the writer, and you're and, supposed and, to be a great actress, and, and we're gonna way, go, and we're gonna live together, and this yeah. is gonna be forever, right? Like this and, is what we planned." And it, I think it is interesting that she chose. I mean, writers have often chosen an another an author to represent a character in their book, right? And so Joe is clearly an author, like she is a writer. Um, I think it's just interesting that she is chosen as the one who's sort of late to the party. Like Beth is Beth is maybe the the first, right? Hmm. I mean, knowing that it it to me it felt like she knew her mortality way before right. everyone so else. She's our like God character. She's right. our she's our truth, our goodness. Yes. Our, yeah, yeah. All the yeah, way yeah, through. Your North yep. Star. Yep. And she even the, the the moment when they're sitting on the beach and she knows what's best for Joe is to write, is to do the thing. Like mm-hmm. um write what you know and write it for me. Right. And she knows that that like Joe will never do it for herself. Yep. Uh but she that was do really powerful for her sister. Right. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. There's so much stuff. The the there's only one other film in recent memory that I've watched that I think has been able to peg that transitional issue of like revisiting your childhood and seeing it and being able to see it through that lens. And that's Terrence Malick's Tree of Life, which is a very different type of. I thought film. you were going to say Dawn of Justice. Not Dawn of Justice. <laughs> okay. Um, but it had it evoked similar emotions in the way they play with it in, in flashing back. I, I, a lot, there was a lot of criticism of her choice to go nonlinear. Yeah. And I love it. And again, I think it makes it way more accessible to everyone. I love that. The actors, as we saw them kind of age through it, the obviously and I even think they did it in the uh, Winona Ryder one, which was 94, because Kirsten Dunst plays like a young version of one of the kids. And then you have to cast different actors. Mm -hmm. One of the scenes that got me the most is at the very end where she is having the book bound Mm -hmm. little women. Mm -hmm. And then you finally see them as little kids. They never did a scene of that. The whole and just that five second insert of that is so much more powerful than having child actors trying to play young and then we'll age it up. It it just was so original in the device and it was criticized heavily. By the way, I think if maybe in the movie theater it was hard when you watch it at home, there is an amazing job of the cinematography and light that when they're younger and it's the flashback, it's this warm you that she wanted, yeah. like uh-huh. this golden light of the idealism of childhood uh-huh. and then gray and blues when it's as uh-huh. an adult with like coming to an understanding of what that is like, except when she starts to roll in them understanding what adulthood is about. And you see the changing, for example, like Amy Florence Pugh, yeah. when she starts to come to a realization that Lori and her are together and the and the darker shades of that when they're in Europe start to turn very bright to at the end, mm-hmm. they get back, they get together. It's just, it's high Let, end stuff from somebody who's done two movies. Yeah. I don't want to go on too, too long, but I did want to talk about specifically the relationships with Joe and Lori and, and uh, Amy and Lori. Mm. Did, did that 
like hit home for you? Like not not yes. home is like relatable, but so, I didn't quite buy. And this might just be me being a man. I buy the Amy being into Lori because the little sister seeing. And I guess we don't know how they end up really. Um, I mean, the movie ends with them together, but like he's still a shithead at the end of this movie. Yeah, and so they and they don't go into that, right? right. So I, uh, to me, the implication was that she was going to steer that ship, right? right? Where true. like she was not going to let him just like frolic in his wealth and like you know no, no, bandy but, about. But he's he's clearly still holding on to something for Joe in the last scene. Do you think I, so? No, I don't, I don't, I don't. Who is this guy? Who well, is this guy? Oh, but see, I saw that I very that much a... as more of a protective friend. Okay. Uh, because okay. then he says, never would I have thought that I would be summoning the horses to help to Joe get, March yeah. go get a man, but right. I like it. Okay. Like, I, it, it, like he yeah, comes I, around. I, I forgot yeah. about that part. Yeah. You know what? I had that. It, so, what, J- Jim, you didn't see. Katie saw it with your neighbors. Yeah. Girls movie night, right? So this was the first time that you saw it. Yeah, like the very so I I actually had a similar question the first time I saw it. And upon watching it the second time, it was one of the things I tried to focus on because I was curious about maybe the book went into this more. And I actually thought she did a pretty good job of yeah. laying some of the groundwork there. The Amy part I get like I, yeah. I, I understand. You don't have piece. to sell that one too much. No, no, no. But I was wondering where that transition happened. And and I think you can kind of begin to see it. And I think part of maybe part of the issue is we're never quite sure how much time has elapsed. Yeah. And I, and at that point, that can be sometimes problematic. But I thought she when she does the sequence, the fact that he would go, that Lori would go ahead mm-hmm. and leave her at Meg's house with Laura Dern and them so he could rectify that to yeah, me yeah. showed yeah. some understanding of needing of closure to yeah, that. that's true and and i thought that was interesting i think I could, timothy I, chalamet has a special oh brand God, of shittiness about him. oh he's so good like yeah, and i mean still, like as, oh, as like as like felt so different than lady bird in this movie though oh, yes but so there's so still different. there's still like a little sliver uh, of that guy i don't yeah, know but i thought he well, was an appropriate way and i'm not saying it's not 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 i found him entirely lovable Oh, you mean the the actor? No, 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 no. I meant like the- you see. I think just personally that in this film he was really interesting to me because I thought he was so dependent on them mm-hmm. to be a good person, and I thought that in some respects, it, it, and he played it great and i thought it was a better written character but i thought she did that a little bit in ladybird as well which is like taking a role where usually the female characters are dependent on the male characters to give them a relevancy yeah and his relevancy comes from what they give him and he plays that well but I, i he is kind of a like a sleazy kind of though. Not I don't sleazy. Think wants, I didn't mean sleazy, but, I, but he's like, but I see what you mean, but I think he needs them. And that's, what's so yeah, interesting yeah. to me. Like every, like, and you see this and I had forgot like the Meg March scene, right? Like where he goes and Emma yep. Watson, yeah. who, uh, you know, 
place and he says something really dickish to yeah. her. But then he goes to her and is like, oh, my God, I could be this person. But since I have the March sisters and he almost has a scene with yeah. each of the March sisters, they are making him a, a better more person, of yeah. a whole person, yeah, they do. which You're is right. awesome. Yeah, like, family. I, like, I mean, even yeah. his his uncle or is it his his grandfather, grandfather, whoever? Uh, yeah, yeah his, his grandfather. grandfather. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is such Must a be beautiful. It's a beautiful commentary on relationship yes. and love, and you know the 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 joy of just a, a warm family, and that the weight of that in comparison to all of the riches in the world, right? right. Like what that is. Um, I think that that's lovely. I do want to just comment on the one other change that Greta made to the story that I thought was brilliant in marrying louisa may alcott's real story with joe's mm. character so um, much of it yeah. so that's again something that is not certainly not in the book hasn't been done in the other two movies so that's entirely is joe an author in the in the book joe is a writer yes okay. um but not of little women right and so for okay. her to get the ownership of writing that story writing it for her yeah. little sister um and then the piece at the end where she keeps the copyright and all of those, the little bits where you see the relationship between her and the publisher, that's all Greta. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought that was so beautifully done in honoring, you know, in that interview that you shared, Brian, um, Greta speaks to reading about Louisa May and, you know, learning, you know, as kids, because a lot of us do read little women as, as children, you don't really think about the author you know, I feel like as an eighth grade teacher, yeah, that's something that, that I'm really right? teaching them yeah. to do is like somebody created this story, like who created it? Why did they create <laughs> it? It's a new exercise. You know, you just like when you're little, you just read the story for the story. Um, and so bringing in this idea of like, no, somebody made this and all of these little pieces that are like 1800s, like yeah. these are early feminists, right? <laughs> Um, that there, there's a there's a feminist behind them, right? Um, driving all of this. So to bring her in and have her demand to keep ownership of yeah. her copyright, and you know, like that that was honoring the author. I love. I did like the scene yeah. of the the publisher's daughters coming. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yelling at him. Which, um, the uh, yeah, the, the you know, our girls are obsessed with Raina, and they know who she is, and and because she writes so much autobiographical stuff she yeah. they know about her yeah and i feel like they're on the path to question that author stuff it's i agree yeah yeah I and just, they always I, ask is this a true story is this oh, a, yeah is, is this, this a real, real story did this yes. really happen well, claire, to them claire always wants yeah. to know that as yeah. well um i think she is just unbelievable yep as a director and what she writes and, and i think yeah uh, i I'll try to share the interview I shared with Katie and Jim because I just thought it was such a powerful interview talking about how hard she worked to be a director. Like yeah. she didn't take it for granted. She worked on all these things. She built up, you know, she yeah, I mean, researched all these things. And I, I think it shows yeah. in what she puts As, out. And, and we talked about this with Tess when, when Tess was on. To be a woman in Hollywood, um, especially a director who's being put in charge of, of this, of a movie of this budget, 40 million for a period piece. That's a big budget. Yeah. And that's low for what she did with this. Oh, I would have, I would have thought this was hundred million dollar movie. Easy. I would, uh, I'd hire her for a second to direct anything. Cause it and looks like a hundred million dollar to get to that point, knowing 
how male focused Hollywood is as far as directors and, and, and she's delivered above and beyond pretty much her entire career to get to this point. It's not even a question. And if you ever doubt and say, Oh, it's a woman. What, like, why do you have to make a big deal to give you an idea of what Hollywood is like? Greta Gerwig was pregnant directing this and didn't tell anybody <laughs> because she no because she thought it would affect the way the studio would let her do it or she thought it might affect how the actors yeah. or actresses or the people on set she didn't feel comfortable being able to share that well i'm excited to see whatever she does next which is apparently the barbie movie can i make one final yes. ooh, yeah 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 to yes. greta before Go. we move on um, I mentioned earlier the visuals in this movie. And when I left the first time I said to Jim, I felt like oh, yeah. I was watching moving art, like art pieces. Let's talk about that. So she did study Framing, artworks, but... like literally. So she references Winslow Homer. But as I've now watched it three times, I can call to mind specific masters okay. who have composed. So like the beach scene, for example, the so there's, there's two different beaches. That scenes. made that yes. seems like a moving painting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's the one with the whole family on the, on the beach. That's a painting. Then there's the one with the two sisters on the beach. That's reminiscent of a Winslow Homer. Um, when Amy is being proposed to in the tree yeah, arch yeah. in Europe, mm -hmm. that's yeah. a painting. And yeah. so I just like, it blew me away because I thought about the layering of these ideas. I thought, so people have seen these images through their just they're studying, right? They're like, this is just kind of like intro to art or, you know, going to museums. These are impressionistic sorts of works. Even the way that Amy paints, right, is reminiscent of the impressionists. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's this thing that happens then where it feels familiar to you, mm -hmm. right? And so you're seeing this visual that is new, but old. And that's genius. <laughs> it's a... To me, yeah. it's a whole Amazing. other way it to was, use illusion, it was, right? It's not story illusion. It's a visual art illusion that's done so subtly. But even to that point, like, she was smart about showing the kids playing and not, they were never playing with, like, old dated toys or anything. They were doing things that kids can still do today yeah. and, and relate to. Yeah. Yeah. She also uses a few of the iconic, um, just moments of character from the other two films where you, mm. so you'll see clips of the family in the other two films and she composes that same tableau in this movie. So again, I was just blown away by like that. Those were just these little moments that you would, you could miss them, Yeah, but it, it creates an emotional layer. I think that makes you feel even more connected to what she has created. Well, so. I'm very happy that I uh, allowed you guys to be in the setting of this film, Concord Mass, for my wedding reception. <laughs> I thank you. I thank you for that, Brian. Yeah. Um, and because I, I, I think while she was good in this film, Florence Pugh is much better in Midsummer. Uh, all right. Yes. Have we? Is this going? Are we going to watch it, Brian? Let's, oh, let's we put will. It, I, all right. I'll watch Midsummer. It could be Halloween. It could be Amazon August. All right. We'll see. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. All right. Uh, watch Little Women. The Academy might not have valued it. We do. But we value we do. it. It's more right. important. Game of the week. Here we go. <laughs> did you did you figure this out, Katie? I'm good. All right. Then all you're right, going here first. Here we go. All right. 
game of the week. This week, we're playing Recast It. Recast the role of the March Sisters with actors or actresses or stars of uh-huh. a com majors uh-huh. films. Katie, okay. who do you have? So, who? you know, I, I need to twist it in some kind of a way. So I'm aging the March sisters up. Mm. I have them modern day in their retirement. Uh, I've Re- done this before retirement. with the characters from the notebook. That's true. Um, appearing. I forget what that was recasting as, but anyway, here we go. So, as Amy, we will have Sybil Shepherd. Oh. Think about it. Yeah, yeah love it. it. Love yep, it. It rings true. Um, as Meg, my ages might be a little bit off, but it's Hollywood. And so, okay. you know, so you okay. So um, she's Dame Maggie Smith. Oh. And as Joe, we'll have Allison Janning. Janny? Janny. Janny. Yeah. Janny. Good choice. I thank yep, you. Love it. Yeah. What yeah. about Beth? Beth said. Oh, so she's not, not in, in the film. You're not, no. even, not even gonna have. They're not even flashback. Sorry. Okay. All right. Spoiler alert. Who's Beth going, dies. Brian? Me or Sorry. You? you go ahead. Okay. So I had I went with I created a whole cast and then I switched it and went a totally different direction. Okay. Um, because I want to set it uh, more modern. Okay. And I thought a female African American cast would be excellent. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So. I'm going to go with uh, Beth March is going to be Letitia Wright from Black, Black Panther, Panther, who is okay. uh, Shuri. All right. Love um, it. Amy is going to be Zendaya. Ah, from uh, Star uh, from Spider-Man. Greatest Showman. Homecoming. Yeah. Yep. Meg March is going to be uh, Danny Gurria from also from Black, Black Panther. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And uh Game of or not Game of Thrones, uh, Walking uh, Dead. Walking Dead. And Joe is going to be Tessa Thompson. Oh, nice. very nice. Mm-hmm. So good. Well done, James. If you want to I... hear my whitewash cast too, I can give you that after. Yeah, Brian goes. give us. Yeah, no, okay. No, yeah. no. I, one is good. One is good. I okay. <laughs> I went on a I I too twisted this and have turned the March sisters into March brothers. Oh, <laughs> we've got them three ways. Are you yes. you? Is it you, Sean and Kevin, and then someone else? <laughs> And, and Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's Beth. He's dead. <laughs> a moth flew in his ear. A moth flew in his brain. ear and he died. Uh, so here's my cast. In the Meg <laughs> character, uh, our friend, one Mr. John Cusack of Gross oh, Point Blank. Yes, please. Let's go on. In the Amy character, one Mr. Ryan Gosling. Mm. Can play a little arrogant, mm-hmm. but also has the lovable side, as yes. we saw as yes. Noah in the notebook. The Beth character, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, very good. Mr. Harry Potter. And finally, mm-hmm. the Joe character, really throwing this for a twist. It's an interracial family. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan oh, we love as him. Joe. Yeah, I'll watch him in all movies. Because he can play he's in any role and he's, in he, any yeah, film. Yeah. Yep. He could play anything. Right. I would love to see him in a Greta Gerwig film. Yes, please. Yeah. All right. Uh, there we go. Actually, uh, time for what? 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 I I think it's going to happen because I'm going to cast him in something. Okay. Later. Perfect. Here we go. <laughs> it's time for five questions. This is a tricky one. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth. 101 episodes. <laughs> you got in the hang of it. Honey. What the fuck is the end? Why? 
All right, here we go. Five questions with Katie this week. First, thumbs up or thumbs down. What is your thoughts on 19th century women's fashion? Uh, that I am glad I didn't have to wear it. Thumbs down. Katie would not have done well. There was a moment, though, where uh, Laura Dern was wearing something that looked like it could have worked as, like, a dystopian future outfit where it looked like mm-hmm. sort of like I, a, d- I loved what she did with toga. the costume. Yeah. So it she was took a, a lot more of modern. Like, it was like scarves being worn in, yeah. uh, you know, in Lots different ways. I love, you know? I did love when Joe got her writing jacket on. Yeah. When she's like, I'm well, going to do this. And shit. I, <laughs> to go back to the movie for a moment, I loved the honesty of the costuming because the like the the reality of like winters in Massachusetts in this time period with like a stone like a, a fireplace for heat. Yep. You know the idea of the girls just wearing nightgowns about like no they they were wearing layers mm-hmm. all the time they just layers and that I can subscribe to I do love yeah. a good layering but the large skirts not no. for me corsets no the like stiff Amy's fabrics outfits. no thank you no take a pass no, all right here we go you. uh katie would you rather hang out with hermione granger or joe march i do love a hermione granger 100 percent. but i would pick joe for many reasons um mostly her attitude you know i i, I love a little spitfire i love somebody who's swimming upstream and you know identifying problems in society and trying to work it out so i i would love to spend some time with joe march all right uh fill in the blank question if you were writing a book about your growth from adolescence into womanhood it would be titled better late than never (laughs) (laughs) what a great title I was a late bloomer. Uh, whether it was genetics or gymnastics, uh, Katie was saved a lot of the teenage mistakes that are made because it was biologically impossible. <laughs> you know, when you still look like you're 12, there's just no chance of oh, I like think I just choked. <laughs> Brian. So I've said many times, man, I hope our girls inherit my genetics in that respect, because it will save us <laughs> many, many sleepless nights. Yeah. Uh, favorite question. Katie, what's your favorite Laura Dern film? So I think this has to be it. I like there. I don't think that I have noticed her so much in any other movie in such <laughs> a positive way. In fact, from the get-go, I questioned her being nominated for Marriage Story over Little Women mm. makes no sense to me. Like, and we watched them very close to each other. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get I saying... Do, I do get the Marriage Story because that character, she, she plays that character incredibly well. And it is... It walks a really thin line of being like an awful person yeah. and then like oh no she has a she has a really good point yeah but and, I, and that's tough to do uh, I, don't I don't know i don't and in this i feel like she i don't know i mean she she's great in this but is is she is that character does that character have enough to do in this i movie? thought so i thought this character honestly was more skilled and more present than the character in marriage story interesting all right. Yeah. yeah, we did uh, not love Marriage Story, by the way. 
No, no I love thought it. this film was vastly Much superior. Better. Yeah. Uh, finally, deep thoughts question. What classic American mm. either novel, film, TV show oh, would you gosh. like to see Greta Gerwig reinterpret into a film? I have a visual prop for this that I forgot to bring. So one Star of, Wars? No. Oh. One of my absolute favorite novels of all time is Toni Morrison's Paradise, um, which many people have not read. Many people know her for Beloved and Bluest Eye and Jazz. Like I mean, she's prolific. Um, but Paradise is the book she wrote after she won the, the Pulitzer for uh, Beloved. And it is a totally messed up story of this uh, town that was no created by... No spoilers. I, I, no spoilers. Town that was created by freed slaves. The first two sentences were so powerful when I read them as an undergrad that they have stayed with me forever. And I do reread the book every few years, but it begins with, and I'm probably going to get one of the words, right? They shot the white girl first with the rest. They took their time. And that's the way the book begins. I think that it would be an incredible movie. Uh, I would love to see Greta tackle it. Mm. All right. Love it. Um, and that is five questions. Uh, next week, we'll be doing the amazing Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx film, Just Mercy. Uh, feel free. It is now streaming free mm -hmm. everywhere. On many platforms. Mm -hmm. Any platform every, you any, have. Any, any platform you have. So we're excited to see him uh, back in a movie. And we'll talk all about that. Remember, like, share, subscribe, all that wonderful stuff um i'm sure lily DeSanto will be writing i'm gonna go check on her right now yeah <laughs> uh all right goodbye bye, everybody all right bye <laughs>